0: welcome to the corporate treasury 101 podcast in today's episode we discuss digital assets in treasury with noah Herman from fortress noah is the chief revenue officer at fortress who brings a wealth of experience from his role as the former director of treasury services at circle a leading blockchain focused financial services company fortress is a treasury operations platform that connects to your existing systems and gives you the ability to use digital assets in your day-to-day business. In the episode of today, expect to learn what are digital assets and how have they evolved since the creation of Fortress in 2017, how companies can diversify their treasury operations using Bitcoin and other digital assets, what is trapped cash and how do digital assets address this issue. How can anyone ensure liquidity and stability when addressing trapped cash challenges? And like always, much, much more. Another amazing interview with another amazing guest. Noah is extremely knowledgeable about digital assets and treasury, which made this episode particularly insightful for Hussam and I. We hope you will enjoy the episode. If that is the case, and when you're thinking about how you found our podcast, chances are that it was through word of mouth, social media, or a recommendation from your favorite podcast platform. And this is our only request to you. The best way you can support the podcast is to head to YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Corporate Treasury 101. That will mean the world to us and help more people learn about treasury. On another other note, this episode is brought to you by Automation Boutique. Automation Boutique is empowering treasury, finance and risk management with tailored automation solution. They use robotic process automation, or PA, AI, APIs, and Power Query to create automations that can work with your existing systems. We partnered with Automation Boutique as we really like the approach to innovation and how they help the industry. For this partnership, they came up with an AI-powered automation self-scan that can help you find out if a business process is suitable for automation and how to best get started. It is totally free non intrusive, and only takes about 15 minutes. What's great is that the report you will get from the scan helps you determine if the benefits of the automation outweigh the costs. If you want to have a look, head to the link in the description or to automationboutique.com slash corporate treasury 101. And with all that being said, please welcome Noah Herman Noah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Obviously, we discussed a bit before this episode, so I had to Google a few terms. But for the part of our audience that, like me, didn't know exactly what it meant, can you please start by explaining what a digital asset is, please?
1: Sure. So, yes, the term digital asset is used very widely. It's used to cover, as you've noted, a lot of different um, concepts, a lot of different assets, a lot of currencies. Ultimately, the simplest a way to talk about a digital asset is just as a, uh, on chain, uh, reflection of its fiat mimic, right? So stable coin, digital dollar, simplest concept. You take a us dollar, you take a Euro, you take a, whatever currency you want. You stick that Euro or dollar in a bank. In the meantime, a group says we are minting or on ramping a digital variant of that dollar that sits on chain, looks, smells, feels exactly like that same underlying US dollar, Euro, but it's sitting in a digital asset custody custodial setup. Uh, And from there, you can really run the gamut from something like the original um, Bitcoin, uh, which has a lot of different uh, components to it, a lot of different security features, protocol chain, but ultimately it's just a different digital asset. And then you start to get into some of the more esoteric versions of digital assets, which can be things like <clears throat> an Ethereum, can be things like ERC-20 so-called derivatives. You can get into things like NFTs and wrapped tokens, so on and on and on. But the simplest description is, uh, it is the on-chain or digital version of a fiat or traditional asset.
0: Okay. And by on-chain, you mean in the blockchain? right or using the blockchain technology behind it sorry it's going to be very digital asset one on one here (laughs) Uh, absolutely and i apologize i try to stay
1: away from all forms of verbiage and and, and crypto speak so yes on chain is just a simple way to refer to the fact that yes uh in order to have or use or operate on a digital asset it needs to be done on the blockchain Mm -hmm. which is the distributed ledger technology that forms uh, all, all blockchains and, and, and protocols. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we we say in the world of digital assets on chain, just to refer to the fact that uh, essentially, um, regardless of the chain, regardless of the protocol, uh, you are really taking an asset, again, whether it's a simple reflection of a physical asset, say a, a, a listed bond or something like this, uh, you are ma- making a data uh, recording of that within a uh, within the, the the respective protocol, um, and that is being locked into the you know, of blocks literally that is forming the then uh, immutable proof uh, and immutable records for that transaction.
0: Okay, so to take a very basic example of my understand- what my understanding is, the digital version of uh, a note like one dollar. Bank note. the digital version of this will be the one dollar that is displaying on my bank account when i look at my app the digital asset version of this is exactly the same reflection but on the blockchain would that be a simplistic yet correct enough
1: it's as simple and accurate as you can get it's exactly right and ultimately when you look at it it's really just all about ledgers right so to your point if you're using hsbc there's your mobile phone There's my one euro, my one pound, my one dollar. That is itself sitting on a ledger within the bank. The bank controls it. You need the bank to get it back. Mm -hmm. Custody of the bank, right? Only difference to your point being just a different ledger, which is the on-chain
0: protocol. Super clear.
2: So uh, that's really interesting way that you described it. So so you're saying that digital asset isn't just crypto-related. It's just any digital version of real money. Is that what you're saying?
1: I think that is probably the most accurate and capacious way to describe it, but it is, especially today, an important way to do it. Um, You're correct. The world of so-called digital assets started out much more with um, Bitcoin and stable coins, right? Well, so truly the first reference to digital, digital assets or digitizing assets was, to your point, mobile banking, right? People said, oh, wow, now I can just... money without walking into the bank and taking a dollar and handing it to my friend um so yes that is the digitization the first step of digitizing what was otherwise a paper fiat predominantly Um, the second rendition though of that which has happened in the past couple of years and is especially happening now a bit more frequency as it relates to real world assets um, is the notion that yes you can much like we started talking about take a simple dollar and create a, an on-chain version of it. Uh, you can also take a uh, bond. You can take, I shouldn't say can. Uh, groups are and have been now, to some volume, uh, taking pieces of art and saying that this piece of art is worth $100. So we'll split it up, and each dollar's worth of 100 can be represented on. Uh, the, the, the chain. So yes, it can be bottles of wine, it can be ownership in real estate, it really can be anything. Uh, the true uh, sort of umbrella is that anything that is a true digital asset world of uh, cri- cryptography, if you want to, uh, will sit within a distributed
0: ledger. I love that. So, to go a little bit deeper into the definition, because we're going to get into the nitty-gritty on how Digital asset can help and is already helping treasury tasks. But just to completely understand what we're talking about, if you would compare a digital asset to a traditional asset, to take like basic definition of it, how does it differ then from my mobile application or in the users that you see? What's sure. the difference?
1: Sure. Um, So again, we'll limit this to just sort of the sim- simplistic use cases. Just- yes. So the only difference really, again, uh, comes down to the uh, way that the data is is translated, right? So in the case of the mobile banking example, you are going to the bank and you're moving a dollar, right? Um, and that is fast, it's easy, you're just clicking it and the dollar goes right to Guillaume. And wow, he says, I got it on you know, Venmo or Zelle or whatever it is, PayPal. Um, in reality, behind the scenes, there's an extremely complicated and lengthy and time-consuming collection of uh, groups and intermediaries, third parties, which can be anything from SWIFT to FedNow, the central banks, the correspondent banks, to domestic banks, regional correspondent banks, to third-party payment providers, to uh, the rails behind SWIFT, to your credit card company. There's many, many thousands of things going on. So, in effect, though it is a nice step change, and you are able to, in fact, move that dollar quickly between you and uh, Guillaume, in reality, that's not happening behind the scenes. So, that is the way that you move a dollar still today, despite the mobile banking interface and UI being nice and easy. Um, If you do this in the world of digital assets, using distributed ledger, uh, what's happening is largely the same human action, largely the same UI still have your same phone and you are still, in fact, sending a dollar to Guillaume. But when you do that, <clears throat> you are now simply sending that same dollar, maybe in the form of a stable coin, we'll call it USDC, so widely known stable coin. Uh, and that is involving precisely zero of all of those 30 parties you mentioned earlier. It is mentioned, it is using just one, one thing, which is the distributed ledger that stable coin and your two wallets. And so it seems to happen at the same speed, seems to happen for the same cost to you ostensibly as a consumer, but in reality, you've essentially taken all that under girding
0: and thrown it out. Super, super clear. Just for the, just for the sake of it, stable coin, what do you mean without, Noah? Yep. Let's, let's just assume that we, we I don't hope. know all the aspects of it. <laughs>
1: Uh yeah, so so uh the concept of the uh, simplest form of a digital asset being a uh, mimic of a of a of a government fiat currency, right? So, in this case, U.S. dollar, still the most widely traded currency. So we'll reference that because I'm American. Uh, so the U.S. dollar uh, has a couple, couple of different <laughs> representations. Although, digital uh you know in the world of distributed ledger and and, and crypto but the simplest one is to take an example either usdc which is us dollar uh coin or uh usdt which is another example it's called tether um and there are many others they're all doing the same thing in effect which is that they are using that same process we referenced before to take a fiat dollar and create a digital representation of that dollar on um, they were born into the world 10 years ago as a so-called stable coin, because they were, uh, trying to keep all of the technological advancements that was, that were there with Bitcoin as a distributed uh, asset, a decentralized asset, but do away with what was one of its biggest problems, which we've spoken about quite a bit already uh, earlier, which is the volatility which to quote, quote, my old head of uh, policy could make some hedge fund managers blush. (laughs) And so uh, the stable coin literally was meant to create stability in the currency. And as we know it the most, or at least as financial markets know it, the most stable currency uh, in the world is US dollar. And so that's the term. It has variously been referenced now as the digital dollar versus the stable coin. And that will, not just because at some point one of these has depegged from the dollar, but that's
2: another story. Another just, <laughs> okay, that starts getting very complicated if you have a US tether that's not tethered to the US dollar. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> we can get into that in a second as well. But and so well, I want you to explain a little bit more about why someone would use the stable coin versus the actual asset itself. But I think to explain that, you need to explain a bit better what the chain is and why. The chain has any advantage over traditional forms of sure. um, asset management, mon- manage money management, or money mo- movements.
1: Yeah. So yes. Um, so the answer is many-fold, and but but a good caveat to all of the answers is sort of the opinion of both sides, right? One is you have this camp on one side of the world, which says that. Uh, all digital assets, but specifically stable coins, are a solution looking for a problem. Uh, meaning that there is a certain advancement in technology, there's proven value in it, and that value usually comes down to savings and time, in cost, and operational complexity. Those are usually the three pieces that are cited, which are significant and and real uh, issues for any business today um you have another camp on the other side which says the fiat world is untrustworthy governments all around are inflating their currencies we as citizens of those countries have no control over those currencies or governments we don't like it uh, and we want to be able to have some control over our monetary system and then anything in between Somewhere in the middle lies the truth, is my theory and thesis. And from all of the conversations we have as a company, I, I think it's fair enough to say we have a variegated range of data points, statistical, uh, informal statistical surveys. So um, the short answer is then to answer your question, Guillaume. Um, generally speaking, if you're a person, let's say in the same country, so if you and if if, if you and and and, and Guillaume. Uh, are in the us there is not a lot of benefit necessarily or i should say difference from existing technologies as to whether you want to use benwell paypal zelle whatever it is to send instant payments it is when you step out of that country when you now are sitting on two different sides of an ocean which is not often the case for two friends two colleagues right yes Maybe friends are borrowing money from one another, and then one's in Portugal, one's in Africa, they need to send some funds, fine. It's not a true volume play though. That is when you get into the realm of business versus retail. Um, And therein lies the true, let's call it sea change benefits to using a digital asset. And back to your original question, which is, it is to this day extremely costly, very slow, and extremely complex to move money around the world uh and using the distributed ledger using uh, chain protocol and using digital assets as a way to effectively uh if not almost completely reduce all of those issues away
2: so it's simplifying cross-border payments essentially because yes on your app you just see hey i transferred money to my friend in africa but behind the scenes. Right. this thing, a lot's happening.
1: We, we tend to look at it through the lens of, from my SAP dashboard, from my yeah. Oracle dashboard or from my career mm-hmm. dashboard, because we are ultimately working with other businesses. Now those businesses themselves are receiving funds from and paying out to, to customers retail, but yes, that, that is, I would say that's accurate.
2: So can, so can you explain a bit more of the chain then though? Why, how can you, what is the mechanism behind it? I think most treasurers... I have at least a pretty good fundamental understanding. Okay. When I, I know, when I make a bank transfer, it's not just as simple as my, you know, my bank account there and then it's there. Right. We understand that there is Swift behind that. We understand what's behind that. We understand that these banks have reconciliations that they do between each other and all this kind of things. Right now we've done payment rail episodes as well, the yeah. on the Corpetration One podcast, uh, not for digital assets. So can you explain the chain and how money moves and why it's simpler?
1: Sure. Sure. So the simplest way to talk about it is, I mean, you can think about a business as uh, just a collection of people, right? You can even think about a standard business transaction as a, as a form of um, ultimately what is the same example we get, which is you've got a friend at Portugal, you've got a friend in Africa. From the business perspective, it's the same conversation, right? That friend sitting in Portugal who needs to get money to that friend in Africa can just be, Extrapolated up by an order of magnitude to you are a multinational corporation and you are headquartered in Portugal, and your primary bank I don't know any of the primary banks in Portugal, but let's just <laughs> HBC, uh, Novo. is there? What is the name? There's a
0: Novo, Novo? I nope. Novo Banco, Novo Banco. Novo. indeed, that's the only one we know. Novo Banco. Okay, so know,
1: primary financial institution for a multinational is Novo Banco in Portugal. Uh, and you're, uh, you have uh, multiple subsidiaries around the world one of them is in is in africa and that bank is not novobanco it's whatever bank that is standard chart um, rather than running through as you've said uh, of some all of the traditional rails behind that you essentially have the same structure with the business transaction which is that the headquarter company uh, has a wallet so now it has nothing to do with Novo Banco. It's actually the corporate itself. Uh, let's call it ACME. So ACME has a parent corporate digital asset wallet that it holds. And um, when it needs to send its 100 million uh, euro to Africa, uh, it clicks through to its uh, African subsidiary wallet on its interface, whatever interface that is, and says, I want to move hundred million uh, Euro to Africa. Um, and that can be done by either just so-called on-ramping from the Euro currency into a stable coin, into Bitcoin, whatever it is, type in the amount into the interface. And that data, that, that transaction is then instantly recorded on chain logged in an immutable fashion on chain. Uh, and those assets are then moved on the ledger, that is the distributed ledger, versus the bank's ledger from the headquarters in Portugal to the subsidiary in Africa. And now, a couple of milliseconds later, the subsidiary in Africa is sitting on 100 million euro equivalent, um, whatever is the local currency, naira. call it. Uh, at which point they can either off-ramp back down into their local currency or they can keep that in their wallet for local treasury operations. so it's effectively one or several people controlling the transaction all within the corporate signing off on its movement it's the two wallets and it's the on-chain transaction which have facilitated the entire movement of that same 100 million Um, no reconciliation has been involved because the money and the message are moving at the same time, all being embedded in the blockchain. Uh, it's cost the group very little because it's just the mining fees to move that. sum of, we can talk later about what that means, but basically just the cost of the transaction is minimal. Uh, and obviously it's happened in milliseconds. So that that is the business example. And again, if you think about it, any business over a certain size, that happens multiple hundreds of times per day. Okay.
2: So, The example you gave there, right, was kind of that you don't have any external nodes and then you have all your nodes in turn. So my understanding of what blockchain is, is that the distributed ledger that you mentioned there and correct my definitions. And then if I, if I say anything that's incorrect here, my understanding of what the distributed ledger that you mentioned a few times is, you have lots of different computers set up, all of which are live connected to each other on the internet, right? Um, and they all have, through this technology called c- cryptography, right? And this encrypted ledger, essentially, of transactions. It's just money moved from A to B, money moved from A to B to C to D to F, and it ended in uh, G. Did I get I miss Yeah, that was correct, I think. <laughs> um, uh, and so everyone has access to the same ledger here, right? That doesn't... So, The the benefit of the chain, typically, as it was said, and and, and I'm a little bit more talking to the the individual, and I really want to bring the focus on the business, is this decentralization that, okay, everyone has transparency, everyone sees what's happening, not one person can manipulate everything, there's not one single point of failure, if one node goes offline, you have all the other ones that are still available, so money can still move through a different sequence, It maybe skips F and then goes to Z and then back to G, right? And so that's kind of what the idea of the nodes system is a distributed ledger, right? So I think to a treasurer listening, though, like if they hear, hey, okay, so I need to convert from euro to another currency and then back to another currency again, right? I add one more FX in my process.
0: Through many different computers. Like as a treasurer, you might think, okay, but my data and my money is everywhere then. Taking it in very simple terms, Noah, yeah. but...
2: So we're going to start pushing back on you now, Noah. Now that we've got a to, to little <laughs> bit, I will make, we'll go through, okay, because there's resistance to this, right, overall. So what be the resistance? You tell us yes. why we're wrong.
1: Absolutely. And you know what? It's a very, very good point. Um, and it's one that has caused some serious problems for, among other companies, groups like Circle, for example, which have promulgated USDC as its stablecoin, which on the theoretical level is almost a perfect asset. It can be used anywhere. It's a mimic of the U.S. dollar, which is the most heavily traded currency in the world. Right? It's trusted, It's liquid, um, almost a perfect asset on the theoretical level. But on the practical level, not so much for exactly the reasons you're talking about, which is if we have a transaction again where we bring it back down to Hussam Guillaume, this time Hussam, you're in the U.S., Guillaume, you're walking around in the middle of a field somewhere in in, in Nigeria for whatever reason.
0: I love Nigeria. It's perfect.
1: I I need past <laughs> conversations. You say, uh Sam, I need that dollar. And he says, Oh, no problem. And there goes the USDC over to you, and you say, Fantastic. Now let me just walk to my local bank here and off-rent this thing. Oh, wait. There's no bank to be seen for miles, right? That's a problem. So that is what, in any industry, but certainly even in this one, meaning the crypto uh, industry, is called the last mile problem. And indeed, it is a problem for everyone. The problem for Circle Proper, which did a very, very uh, n- neat engagement with a group called MoneyGram, uh, which everyone will know. Um, I was a part of that, actually, and so I know the deal well. And ultimately, the reason that it, it, it was not that fruitful for anyone is because of that exact reason. It's because the man in the field in Africa said, this is incredible. I didn't have to walk all the way to a MoneyGram station 50 miles up the road to get that that Naira out. Um, I got the USDC right here, but he can't buy chicken with it. And that's, just, that's still a problem. So the answer is there is no answer to the pure retail use case, right? The presumption always being that somebody is going to off-ramp. And the bet from Circle and USDC and other stablecoin groups is, at some point, the world will realize that this is just a more efficient way to conduct commerce and I don't need to offer app at all. I can just walk into my local chicken farm and go buy that chicken with USDC. But that's a big ask, a big technological change. We're not there yet. So in the meantime, the retail use case continues to be stymied by exactly what you just said. It's slightly different at the corporate level. And I say slightly because even the world of corporates, if we're being honest with one another, is nowhere near ready to take 10% or 50%, let alone 100% of its balance sheet, and say, you know what? This billion dollars of US dollars, don't need to be here. Let's mint it into USDC. Let's just operate 100% on USDC. And that way, we never need to off-ramp. Never need to deal with forex again. We'll pay our suppliers in it. That hundred million that got to Africa, we can just pay our supplier with that, that that USDC. They're not doing that yet. There are some groups that are starting to flirt with it, but haven't yet executed on that. And the answer is, until they do, you're right. They're going to have to off-ramp into either a local currency, or they're going to have to find a supplier that accepts that currency, um, or they're going to have to decide, as some are, and I mean by that I can count on 10 hands, to keep it in a pool in that subsidiary, in that local country, not off-ramp it, and then use it as the fungible asset that it is to then fund local operations, which themselves might not demand um, hard hard
2: currency. But that needs the entire supply chain to convert to it. But again, it's the same as uh, your... Everything that you described in terms of the actual interfacing is the same as any other currency. It's like uh, my supplier in Nairobi might also not accept uh, euros. euros And Correct. pay me in dollars only.
1: Correct. Right, Which is on widely. Yeah, exactly. The, so the largest use case now um, with respect to at least sort of global commerce, multi corporate trade, is that of using it as an internal balance sheet mechanism. There's an internal use. Interesting. In Unemployed markets
0: will develop, people will develop, suppliers will develop, but we're not there yet. So let's let's lean into that. Before, though, I have one last question, Noah. The main, so we are talking about transferring money so far. The, the main, not concern, but one of the critical aspects of all this, and that's why the payment industry is so massive, gigantic, I don't know what's the proper English here, um, is the cost of it transferring money is not cheap, especially when you transfer numerous amount of transactions with high or low volumes, however you phrase it. What's the fee of using this technology? If instead of passing by my 30 third parties, as you mentioned in the examples earlier, and using that distributed ledger it's instead, what's the cost of it?
1: Sure, yeah. So the costs um, are, you know, the, the short answer is that there are things, um, on on chain when you send a transaction on chain that are called um gas feats so-called gas feats so which you can think of as just um you know you, you have to your car with a little bit of gas to get across the highway which is a thing. um and they do range those themselves range dependent upon traffic right so if you're sitting in traffic for a long time you're gonna be paying paying more gas to keep your car running same thing um, so depending upon that, right, if you are looking at sending a transaction at a very high volume, uh, time and you have to send it then, you may end up paying a gas fee that is not $2, it's five or 10 or a hundred. Um, traditionally though, they tend to be quite low, the percent, 10th of a 10th You they're almost de minimis. Uh, that itself is a whole nother topic and it's something that there are groups specifically working on which are building sort of payment rails on top of bitcoin protocol right so that it's another world but yeah the short answer is you generally have the the platform fees right um in order to just access the platform that you're running as a business and then you have those individual transactional fees that said those are still multiple
0: multiple uh fractions of the cost that you would pay to run a traditional fiat transaction interesting so it's not i mean if i think of a normal sepa transfer you pay between one and five euros maybe or sometimes even a percentage fee which is uh, not ideal depending on the size of the company but here we're talking about cents or even fractions of cents basically that's right Okay. That's
2: it. or maybe i'm going to get a bit nerdy. nardy
0: what Go intrinsically
2: for it. what is the cost of that if if all that's happening and maybe i I can understand the bank fee. I can understand the CBA fee. It's a company that is charging for a service, right? And then they have operating costs. They have technology that they're funding. They have um, people that's doing the transactions. They have all these kinds of things. They want to keep the lights on, right? If what you're saying is I don't have a third party to manage if I'm doing this internally, um, and again, maybe this isn't relevant to treasures, but I'm interested. It's interesting. What, what, what's the inherent cost of uh, moving uh, some lines of code on the internet? Hmm.
1: Yeah, it's it's not high. It's not high. That's why it's uh, negligible. Wow. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not the you know one to three percent to ten percent or sometimes mm-hmm. four, You know that 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 you would normally pay. And again, there's no standards here, right? This is a world of many different groups building many different solutions and trying to compete on very different angles. Um, but yeah, in general, sort of on the mar on the whole. Um, it's, you know, you, you, you sometimes see like, uh, 70 to 90% reductions in, in, in costs to just, just to move the assets. That's, mm-hmm. again, this is one use case, which is kind of the, how do we move money more cheaply, quickly and, 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 and less, you a know, less complex way. There, there are other use cases that are built on top of those. And some of them are, you know, but most, most of those are accretive to this conversation, but, uh, but that's at least a simple answer there.
2: Mm-hmm. Super clip, super, super clip, Amazing. Now, treasury, bring us treasury you know, and to treasurers. Okay, I think we should sure. have a good overview of, so if I could just summarize that, I guess. Well, I guess what we've given the overview of what digital assets are, which are essentially any virtual representation or any online, let's say, for fundamentally representation of real fiat, which real fiat in essence is also just representation of yep. other underlying assets, or at least used to be. And, and we think of it like that, right? Um, either way, whatever people are willing to take as payment counts as payment, right? Uh, <laughs> so if, I, if you're willing to get baby coffee cups, uh, that's... <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Um,
2: so all of it's just, anyway, just built on everyone's ability to trust that...
1: Cowrie shells, I think, were the first anyway. traded yeah. currency, or cowries. Yes
2: exactly something like this right that's why even gold why does gold count because people give it value it doesn't matter so uh, nothing in the world matters and we just do nothing <laughs> anyway point being um digital assets is just a virtual representation of real assets or what are considered as accepted assets generally and um, the digital asset in this format where we bring in crypto and what we refer to multiple times on chain is just using blockchain technology uh, to transfer those digital assets in the same way that you would see numbers on your screen and someone else would see numbers on their screen. Um, the underlying back end of that is what's different at the end of the day, just like bank transfer would go through all the different payment rails that short sure treasurers are very well aware of. We've talked about them before. You mentioned a few there. Um, it would go through a different payment rail, which is just this distributed ledger, which is a bunch of computers connected to each other on the internet all keeping track and of, of approving the money as a booster um essentially and the approval is also isn't someone saying hey yes go ahead it's just a computer software saying yes this is still reconciling with everything else that i've gotten right because otherwise it would be slower
1: yeah well so everything you say is correct with 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 one exception i mean so even that I is know. correct yes i mean ultimately there are nodes validating to use the term, right? Nodes validating transactions. So you're, you're correct. That is the approval of the transaction as it is locked in to the distributed ledger. I am only just pausing there because when I hear approval, I think about other approval, which is that as you said, from the treasurer's standpoint, um, you have to approve the transaction happening in the first place. So it's a little bit of a different approval, but I just want to clarify that can be two people Right, it could be just both of of Yo of Yo and Husam saying, uh, "We approve this movement of one hundred dollars out of out of the company," mm-hmm. or it could be fifty nine of sixty people that have to sign off because you're moving a billion dollars in between subsidiaries, whatever it is. So, different set of approvals than the node the, the yeah. node validators.
2: But yes. So, what is the node validator approval? What is that? So it that
1: is, is you, you summarize that very well. You have a set of globally distributed com- com- computing uh, systems that are basically running the proofs in a distributed fashion which uh, o- o- over and over again prove the validity of the transaction. After a certain point, you have global acceptance of that by the nodes and then that transaction is locked
2: into the chain. So, I think that's how we need to say it to it's treasury It's a payment rail. It's just another payment rail that has its advantages it. over the other traditional payment rail.
1: It is another payment rail, and though you haven't quite asked the question, so I won't answer it, we can get into it when you ask it, but um, yes, it is a, and therein lies what I refer to at least as sort of the sea change versus the step change theory, which is that you, in effect, with the LT distributed ledger and crypto, you know, uh, crypto assets or digital assets, you've combined more than just a payment rail, because now you actually have an asset. That is being used as a payment rail so you've got payment rails an asset and you can form a currency on the back of that so you sort of create an ecosystem in and of itself versus just the swift payment rail alone but again so, you haven't asked that question so i
2: will yeah i think that, that that starts going even more complex so the way i, I think of it is like uh, if you put a, a bag of gold on the internet and moved the gold around as opposed to. The- it's a
1: very, very good analogy. Yes. Because, yes, you're still moving an asset from, we can stick with the original example Acme Corp, Guillaume to two sides of the ocean. I'm sending you the bag of gold, just paid you. Great. As it happens, if you decide to not take that gold, uh, Guillaume, and sell it, but say, I'm just going to hold this mm-hmm. because, you know, there's an Indian holiday coming up. And I know that with any of the price of gold spikes, and I think this asset may appreciate. Yes, it was a form of payment. Yes, it was a form of currency, because it was sent in you 2 But now it's an appreciating asset as well.
2: Now we start to get speculative, which treasurers don't like. So maybe (laughs) we stay
0: with that for now. And so maybe to just validate the term, it's not a payment real. It's a better payment real. Would that that be summarizing it well, Noah, basically? bearer or better 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 what did you understand well so it's interesting
1: <laughs> the french translation here so um it is a better payment rail voila but if you think about the term which used to so from the world of finance you used to have something called bearer bonds yeah of the bonds own the bond right it didn't really oh. matter if there was a bank you have it you have it like cash right um, <laughs> By that, maybe you were saying it's a
0: bearer. That's exactly what I meant. Actually, I wanted to mean both in one word. That's right. Cool. Nailing the digital asset world.
1: uh, (laughs) Both bearer uh, payment rail and a better payment rail. Yes, correct.
0: Amazing. Absolutely. Perfect. Perfect. Noah, take us through um, how digital asset can transform treasury or even how they are already transforming treasury. So maybe to begin simple, what's our typical operations? that can be supported, if not fully powered by digital asset? And I think you took the example of the balance sheet earlier, something that would appeal to treasury. We can start there, but like, what's our traditional example of things that could be enabled by digital assets in treasury? Sure.
1: So yes. And, and, um, the, the simplest and probably the most well-known example of how you would use a digital asset in balance sheet or a treasurer would use that is micro strategy which is the largest holder of Bitcoin in the world um, and is also a United States listed uh, corporation, um, which has decided to transform its uh, thereto for US dollars into Bitcoin and now sits on a Bitcoin position on balance sheet, which many, many, many times dwarfs its dollar holdings. So you have a company that admittedly is a bit of a one off. It's been followed a little bit by, by the likes of the Teslas of the world, um, and the blocks of the world. Right. Uh, but that's, that's the big example. Um, it's done into such an outsized effect that it's almost, um, you know, it's almost a, it's, it's a long-tailed example now, but it is still an example. It's publicly traded, has to file earnings every single quarter, just like any other group, the SEC. Um, and it has about $6 billion worth of Bitcoin on its balance sheet. This is a company that does about $150 million a year in revenues. So you can get a sense, right? What is the use case there? It's a treasury use case, pure treasury, as we would call it, not in the sense of I am a treasurer, but in the sense of I am holding a treasury worth of assets for my shareholders. And in this case, I believe that the US dollar will become deflated out of existence or deflated to mean nothing or not appreciate at the level that we needed to to keep track with inflation. So I am instead taking our... Public shareholders' money and investing it in this asset called Bitcoin. That's a that's a that's an extreme example, but it's a real one. It's a valid one,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the company's done quite well in making itself very public in doing that. So that's one use case that does not need to be done to the extreme, at that level of extreme. Very simple, really. Just buy it, hold
0: it, and let it appreciate. Okay, so. To to jump on that example, Noah, because, I mean, I can hear what the typical and doing his job correctly corporate treasurer would say here, treasurers are the custodian of cash, the top priorities when it comes to investing, although I understand it's not short-term investment here, it's about balance sheet, but like, if we apply the principle of capital safety, liquidity, and yield, most would argue and say that, okay, but the value of the Bitcoin is very much fluctuating, it's very volatile which can be a strength, weakness, whatever, but when it comes to treasury, one could say, do I want to sit on such a volatile asset in my balance sheet?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. So again, um, I am not as smart as Michael Saylor. I do not have a PhD from MIT, so I can't really challenge his intellect. Um, Would I put 100% of my own balance sheet in Bitcoin? No, and I work for a Bitcoin company. Would I put 10% of it? Yes. simple reasons that i was trained on i came from the world of private wealth private banking when you always diversify your assets and yes you want some bonds yes you want some long-term you know equities and growth equities and emerging market equities but you also want some uh highly appreciating assets that 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 can 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 be a rocket engine on your portfolio so yes i would consider it for a smaller percentage and for those same treasures would say any diversification is good diversification as long as it's well managed I'm presuming that's somewhat his Fair. argument with the cash cash reserve for daily operations and the like.
2: Fair. Okay.
0: So go so, ahead, man. So
2: you didn't mention that's not a treasury operation. You're you're talking about investing money for uh
1: that, that you're correct. The term treasury operations is band needed not a lot. It's almost hackneyed at this point. Mm-hmm. That is a treasury operation in the sense that some treasurers operated to buy Bitcoin and stuck it in their treasury. It's not your traditional treasury operations, yeah. right? So very good point and very good uh, segue. Thank you, Sam. Uh, <laughs> so yes, on the other end of the spectrum of use cases, you have what I would call and what I think we would all call true treasury operations, which is uh, your day-to-day running of the business. That to me is the true treasury operator. We get the cash that we have the places we need it to get how do we collect the cash we need to collect how do we pay it out how do we make sure everybody can get paid lights are on etc so that's the other side and we actually usually simplify at least in in, in my company those two use cases simple and then anything in between because you can obviously mix them so that side is we have a balance sheet we have an income statement we're taking in receivables we owe payables we owe money to suppliers we've got some loans out uh, we need to pay our employees, and we need to, to pay the electric company, um, and we're selling things, receiving money. Maybe we're just doing that in the United States or just France. But most of the companies we speak with are doing it all around the world. And so they've got anywhere from, say, 60 to 170 subsidiaries globally, which are all separate and distinct legal subentities at the parent core, admittedly doing the same thing. Still one balance sheet, still one income statement, still cash. Many orders of magnitude higher, obviously. Um, Those are the treasury operations that we are most focused on and that we believe are where your most and maximal efficiency gains are to be had. Yes you can. I mean, again, the MicroStrategy stock has done quote well, it's hard to parse why. Its customer base has grown, but not excessively. And yet its stock multiples and, and earnings per share have gone up almost exponentially. So whatever that is, we'll call it speculative for now. These though, these treasury operations in the most broad sense are where we believe and where we hear, and where we engage with the treasurer today that are using the platform. So what is it? I'm the CFO and I need to get a million dollars out to 20 people all around the world. I am waiting on payments in from groups, and they may have 90-day AR cycles. I have an 18-hour window on settlements with my bank. So even me being paid for the bank takes 18 hours, and if it's weekends, forget about it. That's 52, 60 hours. All of these are not just obviously time drags. They're costly, as we talked about, and they add layers of complexity to every single balance sheet operation. Um, that is where we see the most day-to-day practical benefits to the treasurer. And so, there are many, of course, sub use cases within that, but I'll
2: yeah. understand. So whatever I mean, the analogy I, I see here, Noah is, um, I think most treasurers understand, uh, the value in automating manual processes in general right so uh, connecting your uh, ERP to a TMS instead of downloading extracts from your ERP and then putting them into Excel and then manipulating them to do your cash flow forecasting and people understand that I guess right they understand that it's less manual they understand that you don't need a person doing it it instantly happens and then that that gives you uh, a lot of time savings it also gives you some cost savings in eliminating manual processes that you hire someone to do And it gives you the ability to uh, have it all done much more accurately, for example, as well, and avoid mistakes. And is there a good equivalence to draw here that for treasurers to use this payment rail is to eliminate the humans from the process and eliminate even the third party from the process, bank in this case, and bring it all onto an automated system, which is safe as well, because I think that's where people get a little bit concerned with their money not being in the hands of banks, because we perceive banks as safe, even if they fail as well, Um, and we understand that it can all be automated. So I don't need someone in the bank to approve my transaction. If I've approved it and my my internal control processes, I can still move money internally or even externally with those that are on my payment. Is Is that a way to sort of draw the equivalence?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, there's 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 all there's an element of automation to not that, sure, but even I wouldn't say that that's necessarily that's not really a technological advancement, right? So to your point, um, what what can be done by you and and Guillaume as operators of your business Acme, you know, on your bank website <clears throat> can be automated, just like we can do it on the Fortress you know, UI, or anyone can, through. right? It's it's true, you need to have APIs, right? That's helpful and it helps to speed business, but it's not the real step change um, necessarily. Um, your other points are though, I do not need a banking institution of any kind, whether that's my direct or my indirect correspondence. I do not need the traditional payment rails. I do not need to wait for the weekend. And I do not need 50 reconciliation agents on either side of the ocean to handle all of these transactions um most importantly i don't need to worry about uh where is my cash how long is it going to be until i get my cash did that wire that i just sent fail is it going to fail most likely it will fail and if it does fail is it going to fail on a friday because
0: all my customers like to <laughs>
1: And that's not good for me because I myself am waiting for him to then pay me back. So it's, it's a long chain, but that is where it is. It is I, I, I was speaking uh, fairly recently to the head of blockchain for uh, Amazon. And he said essentially to me, cost savings are not where we would dive into digital assets because mm-hmm. we're Amazon." We can get the best wire rates in the world we're not paying 40 bucks for a wire paying 250. no speed maybe Well, we also have our best people at the best banks doing this because we're amazon and of course <laughs> where is the real value to us in this and his answer was it is that the money and the message travel at exactly the same time which means that there is nobody on either side of the business guessing about anything which means We no longer have to take out a futures contract based on the million-dollar hole on the asset side of our balance sheet T-chart because it's out. And we don't know if it's coming back in 18 hours and go to pay a third-party finance provider for the hedge, which is on the U.S. currency, which is now pricing up again. It goes on and on and on and on. That's, That's the one message that we heard and that we've seen is consistent throughout. That is the step change versus, you know, yeah, we can automate your processes. Cause yes, we can do that, but it's not it's, it's not the real other
2: simplification. Real simplification of all the other treasury operations you need to support a transaction, not just the transaction itself.
0: Mm-hmm. It but is, the entire yeah, balance sheet application. And I mean, one very pressing issue problematic that treasurers encounter is cut off times and time zone concern. And you just said it, that solves that, which is in itself a huge, I mean, it's a huge upgrade. If you don't have to, okay, I need to make my transaction for my FX before before three PM because Australia is closing, or as you said, I can transfer the money in the weekend because that's the fifteenth or the thirtieth of the month is exactly on that day and that helps the settlement and manage your cash more efficiently rather than losing two days of value time. That's huge.
1: It, it, I can tell you. To bring it back to the example of us three, if I choose to be paid in fiat, I. Send a note to the company, goes through a couple of different banks, goes through Singapore, where our financing arm is. I get an email from a bank in Singapore that says, We recorded this transaction. We'll send you the wire. Hopefully, it's not a Friday, because then it's Tuesday. If it's Tuesday, then maybe it's Thursday, three days later. It <laughs> shows the dollars. If I choose to be paid in Bitcoin, I ping our CFO, and three seconds later, I'm, I'm paid. So it's, it, Again, it's a small use case. Uh, Sorry, it's a small example, right? A a retail level example, but it's related many, many times over. Again, these are the high level uh, sort of practical use, you know, uh, applications. There are use cases beneath these that are very specific that we haven't talked about, but again, I don't know that we'll have the time
2: give us one, give us yeah. one that was interesting it. interesting for you now. Give us one really interesting use case for treasure. I really want to focus on treasury, not for speculation or monetary. Gain. Sure. Okay. Fine. But so really uh, on yeah. treasury operations.
1: It's yeah. always good to use a practical verse. Okay. So the example, which is most ubiquitous and which every treasure of a, of a corporate over a certain size will automatically understand is that of the trapped cash. Um, this is a much more ubiquitous problem than even I understood uh, back in business school. It's a much more ubiquitous problem when I understood when I was in banking itself in a payments uh, Um, It is uh, something to the tune of about $40 billion globally for multinationals. Are Is their cash stuck in places that it shouldn't be and that they can't get it out? So at the risk of over-indexing to it, I think there's benefit in speaking about it because it's extremely practical. So, what is it? Um, I'll take one company, one use case. Obviously, we can't use names, but it's a large, um, it's a large U.S. listed uh, uh, Fortune 500 company that has something to the tune of about a hundred million dollars trapped in Argentina it not get it out because argentina like many other regions around the world including sri lanka philippines china nigeria india you name it have placed varying levels of capital controls or currency controls in their uh, respective jurisdictions and that means that if you are a multinational and you are earning dollars or pesos or renminbi in those regions you're stuck and so These groups are essentially doing a bunch of different things. None of them work. Most of them are just losing 50 cents on the dollar or buying local shops to recycle cash through. It's really quite quite problematic. One of the things that we have done a lot and continue to do, and I think we'll be doing more, is to simply facilitate the transaction that allows these groups to pull their cash back to headquarters. That's it. Should be simple, should be able to be done, but it's not. Um, and it's not anything that's ultra complicated. It just so happens that using the distributed ledger, using digital assets, uh, you are able to both be in every jurisdiction everywhere, because It's a technology ultimately, and you're able to stay within the legal realms of what governments require, which is do not pull dollars out of our economy. We'll need to do that. Uh, and you can do it for uh, a time and a cost and a price and a level of complexity that it does is, is, is quite beneficial. So again, it's a specific use case, but it is a treasury operation. It's something that treasures the world around, spend a lot of time, money, and cost.
0: So why is it not done? Because not only is that a good example that solves a huge problem, which is, well, I'm sitting on probably multiple hundreds of millions of dollars equivalent that I cannot do anything of, why is it not done? So it is done.
1: It is done, uh, but it is done at the uh, margins, right? We've done this for, I mean, my, my own group has done this to the tune of almost a billion dollars. Um, we have not done it with listed uh, Fortune 500 companies corporates, right? Or CAC 40s or FTSE 100s. We are mm-hmm. very close to, and I think we will end up doing it. But the answer is, apropos to the beginning of our conversation today, every one of these groups has a board. Every one of them <laughs> has a risk team. Every one of them has a legal team. Yes. And they all say, we want to do what? <laughs> Ledger? So, what? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, it, it's, it's a process of really ice breaking. I often think of us as an icebreaker, right? We're just slowly cracking through and um learning a lot as we're doing it. But yeah, I mean it's a it's a true example of bringing the technology to a place where it has not been before and then providing the education, the resources and the uh trust uh through groups primarily, right? There's a reason we 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 partner with the big four and Accenture and, and, and you name it, Chainalysis. Um, so we often, this will be my own group, refer to ourselves as uh, consultants, even though we are not, right? We are a technology platform, a SaaS platform, pure tech. But the conversations that we have over and over again are that of a consultancy um, by, by definition, i.e. we end up speaking with treasurers, the time we end up speaking with cfos heads of cash heads of cash management um and though the conversations are largely the same the questions are manifold and the questions have to do with i the treasurer i the cash manager can now see why this solution makes sense i can understand why this would simplify my life and help the company's balance sheet and help the cash positions but i need to be able to now go convince my board and my legal team and my risk team uh, and my um, you know operations team that this is actually something that is not only uh, legal it's something that is uh safe it's something that is secure it's something that has been vetted um, and the way that we uh, we do that um, is 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 a number of different ways but the first and foremost is we partner with groups in the market like uh, the big four specifically Deloitte like groups, Uh, groups like Accenture that have um, quite a long history of working with different uh, technological limitations. Uh, We work with groups like Chainalysis that are able to uh, basically source the origin of any digital asset to where it is today. Uh, We do this because we can then say to that CFO and say to that head of treasury and say to that head of cash management, we can tell you, but you can also just go refer to this group. And this group can answer all these questions for you so it's really a process of education a little bit of evangelism um and really just a process of trust building is 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 where is where we are and how we i think have made the strides that
2: we have let me me please devil's advocate of the treasury if i heard that what would i think first thing i would hear is uh, do you want to do what (laughs) i would hear and i'd say um what if the money devalues by the time it gets to me but i guess the for mm-hmm. instance, so the thegolishing risk is
1: yeah good good there? good question so two answers there uh, and we they I get that all the time so the, the the first one is well you can simply run the transaction using as we talked about earlier a stable coin or digital dollar in which case you have no volatility right less arguably than were you to run it in you know a, a pure forex the other one is if you are a believer in the value of, say, Bitcoin as a protocol and as an asset over, say, a stable coin, something that uh, is a stable asset, but that is owned ultimately by a private corporation versus a true decentralized uh, asset like, like Bitcoin. You can, for the time that you will need to, which we generally estimate to be about three hours in total. If you want to run a transaction, let's use the same one, 100 million USD equivalent out of Argentina back to the US. You can simply work with another one of our partners, which is a which is a tell risk and a, and a hedging group, and just take that three hours of Bitcoin volatility right off your balance sheet for a small, a, a, a small fee, right? Um, just like you would hedge any forex currency transaction. So those are the two answers, and they seem to seem to suffice.
2: Though I was really at the legal point. I think when we first talked about it and we mentioned your finance, right? The first thing I said to you is, is that even legal? Um, so talk to legality of this.
1: Uh, absolutely. Yeah. So we are working specifically with a group right now, not working with, but we have retained a group called Perkins Coy and specifically their um, digital asset lead attorney, fellow named Dax, who's been in the world of digital assets law for about 15 years. Um, And we've retained them both because he's a great person and very knowledgeable in the space, but also because they are the uh, in-house legal partner for Deloitte itself. Uh, And we've retained him to basically run through this entirety of the Fortress' structure, of the Fortress' technology stack, and then most importantly, of Fortress's partners and these flows to say, yes, this is a legal operation. Yes, this has been vetted by a right and upstanding uh, law firm, uh, and yes, uh, you can, as any business, operate uh, on on you know, using this technology. Um, the only, you know, we're, we're very clear with the groups that we have been approached multiple times You say, we've got the same problem, but our assets are stuck in Egypt. And we say, well, we can't help you, unfortunately, because the government of Egypt has actually stated explicitly that cryptocurrency is illegal within the boundaries of Egypt. And so we say that can't operate there. We can help you, but not until not until they, they change that statute. So otherwise, uh, yes, we have that opinion and it's there at the law firm and waiting for, to your point of some, when the legal team says, whoa, 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 let me say, no, that's okay. You can just go call, call Perkins." Well.
2: <laughs> so you have the lawyers involved and you got the Deloitte consultants. Involved.
1: We've got the lawyers involved. We've got the tax accountants involved. We've got the yeah, everyone. It looks, when you really break it down to the corporate, and then say a subsidiary interest subsidiary transaction, it looks almost exactly from a tax and an accounting perspective, just like a forex transaction. Meaning that you have assets sitting in a pool of currency locally, you move those assets just like you would in a forex transaction. There may have been price movement or volatility from one uh, currency to another. That may have incurred capital gains short, long term. That may have incurred tax fees, whatever. Um, and then your asset may be priced differently when it hits headquarters. But
0: other than that, the structure and the path look broadly the same. Okay, interesting. And then I guess you apply the same transfer pricing rules broadly as you would to a normal transfer of fiat currencies applying this FX difference. Exactly, it makes a lot of sense No, i want to know what you guys are doing at fortrees but before that anything else you'd like to highlight about digital assets how they can help treasurers the problem with the trapped cash or any other very relevant example that you think could help well educate us to begin with me definitely and our audience on the use of digital assets in treasury i do think there's an interesting use case which speaks to
1: um both ends of the spectrum that we talked about which would be the pure treasury kind of micro strategy play we just want to sit on an asset that grows and the treasury operations play which is no we actually want to use this for global global balance sheet ups and the example is one that is not just um theoretical it's it's practical it's anecdotal i worked with two large groups um, on it and it's a it's a very ubiquitous concept in sort of the world of balance sheets and 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 and, and multinationals. The concept is just escrow um, of any kind, right? Which, in just simple legal terms, is somebody is holding somebody else's money for a period of time in a safe environment, right? Um, if you think about the nature of corporations, um, and the simplest example I can can use is the example of uh, I think it's called Verbo, which is the sort of vacation rental platform with an Expedia. Verbo is one of, the, of mm-hmm. the platforms. And it's the one that is based on a uh, longer term rental, longer term future rent, Right? These are not your $300 hotel stays. These are $10,000 vacations. Uh, in order to book these, you have to pay, a consumer, me, you, and we has to pay, say, $5,000 or $10,000 upfront. Where does that money go, right? Because it's only three months later and when you pay the other $5,000 after vacation is over and the owner is paid after Expedia takes its nice little cut. Um, That $5,000 sits in a bank account um, within Expedia's infrastructure and sits there not earning any money. It sits there uh, incurring all of the operational fees and expenses in order to move it. Um, And, you know, Expedia works with a lot of people, as you guys know. And so that $5,000 quickly turns to multiple billions of dollars, right? So what is the use case? The use case is that money is just sitting there. That money can be either taken in at source or just minted in that wallet. be held in a digital asset. Um, And instead of being a cost center to the corporate, it can be a profit center be something where low level yield is overlaid. it can be something that's used as uh, there's many, many different uses to this type of, of asset and you see it all over the place, right Starbucks creating its own stable point having a right. same use case over and over. and the bridge there, of course between the treasury and the treasury operations use case is, well, if you are so minded and if you are looking for a way to more fluidly and quickly, And cheaply uh and less less operation complexly uh move move assets around your your corporate a fantastic example uh and it mimics the day-to-day treasury operations that you are running on a daily basis
0: so to to put a a very treasury related topic on on top of that it's trade finance that's the trade finance uh, complexity when you need to issue a guarantee in order to obtain a project and like whether it's a performance guarantee or anything else. That's exactly the use case that you're describing here.
1: That—that That is exactly the use case, uh, Guillaume. And yes, I came from ABN Ambrose uh, nice. collateral commodities desk where we finance trade finance all the time. And yes, that is a perfect use case. Absolutely.
2: Amazing. Very No, I think I think I've learned a lot for sure. I think we both learned a lot. And 100%. A lot as well. But the reason you know so much is <laughs> a company called Fortress. So please tell us what is Fortress? Uh, what is your mission?
1: Sure, yeah. So Fortress is uh, is basically the treasury operations engine that sits behind um, a lot of what we've talked about today, i.e. Uh, if you are a business, if you're a corporate, if you're a multinational, if you're a neobank, um, you have cash coming in and out of the organization. Uh, and you are trying to run your balance sheet, your income statement on a, on a day-to-day basis and walking through some or all of the things we talked about today, Fortress takes a look at that from the lens of the distributed leisure, from the lens of digital assets, and from the lens of the treasurer, which is to say, how do you most effectively combine all of these? At hard very simple technology, just a set of multi-signature wallets and payment the payment gateways in between those wallets, governance and control systems on top of them, and all of the data that comes out of all of that being fed out into the names you've heard us talk about, say, like SAP, Oracle, NetSuite, Kariba, right? Um, it's a treasury operations engine meant to facilitate global business at scale, at speed, uh, and with a almost complete erasure of operational complexity. Uh, that that is the platform.
2: So can you break down the services that you provide Treasure services specifically?
1: Yeah, so the way that that we talk about it, the way I talk about it with 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 CFOs essentially, we are an ecosystem, right? We are a technology provider but we're an ecosystem. You've heard us uh, talk uh, heard me talk about the names today. The technology itself is malleable to the operations of treasury, meaning that not every group has a trap cash problem. Not every group has a cross border payments problem. Not not every group needs to do liquidity pooling or subsidiary funding, right? Most of them do, but in the end of the day, we are the technology that basically allows the CFO to say, I have pain points in my balance sheet, pain points in my cash flow. This is where they are. Let's try running those transactions on chain and see if we can solve those problems. That is the way we look at it is we're sort of an umbrella SaaS platform. You can overlay on the treasury, find out where it's hurting most, where it's costing most, where it's slowest. Um, and we can solve those problems. specifically.
0: And how do you, how, how do you integrate into the treasurer's landscape? Do you connect to the TMS? Is it a separate platform? Is it, how does it work exactly?
1: Yeah, we, we do. So that's that's part of our um, ecosystem, if you will, right? It's part of our sort of offer to the CFO and to the board and to the legal team and to the risk team, the finance team, the operations team, treasurers specifically, which is you don't need to be a digital asset master. You don't need to understand what on-chain DLT and FIPS 2240. You don't need to understand any of that. Really what we're doing is we are helping you to have access into a system that will be very familiar to you, in the sense that you walk in, Mr. and Mrs. CFO, to your desk, you open up SAP, you open up Oracle, you open up Gariba, FIS, you name it. Here's my billion dollars in cash. I've got 100 million in euro. I've got 100 million in in renminbi, 100 million pounds, dollars, And there's my 100 million in Bitcoin. I need to do XYZ transactions today, and this is how I'm going to do it most efficiently. So it's almost a message of comfort, simplicity, ease, which is to say that we don't want you to, and we would not advise you to change any of your daily enterprise systems. We will feed into those systems to make it seem like it is your daily regular operating functions. and basically take away that complexity, abstract it away for you so that you can just have the benefits without all of the weight of having to be a, having to be a, a,
0: a Bitcoin max. Year. Absolutely. Awesome. Noah, thank you so much. And special notes. I learned a ton. So really, really appreciate it. Thanks a lot yeah. for that.
1: Fantastic. Yes. It's been a real
0: pleasure. Yes. Real pleasure. Anything you'd like to add on any of the topics we've touched upon Fortress. Trapped cash, digital assets, or did we cover it all? Well, I suspect not all, but you Yeah, I think
1: think we covered the fundamentals. Um, Certainly, if anybody has any questions, they can send me a note at at, at NOAA Fortress. But um, yes, no, it's been a real pleasure, a very, very uh, interesting walkthrough. And yes, because we are at the forefront of this space, we learn a lot every day, even though we're deep within it and so the process of just sharing use cases and sharing education and sharing out what what are we hearing is something that we do all the time even yeah. to groups that we are not working with yet so um always welcome a conversation with anyone about it and um uh, no otherwise i think it's been a fantastic uh fantastic walkthrough
0: amazing we'll put all the links in the description uh, your contact details especially linkedin and of course all the links towards Fortress and what you guys do. Noah, thank you so much. Thank you both.